Marcus, Greg, how's the trade going? My trade's going all right. It's going real all right. I've been doing the same trade since now 2017. I don't plan on changing it anytime soon. It's what's, doing great. What's that trade? What's that trade that you're doing? Uh, short USD, long Bitcoin. Ooh, short the bankers, short the USD. Are you short euros? Uh, I'm short all the fiats, okay. but I don't have I don't have any exposure to euros. I was uh, short fiat, short fiat. Yeah. I think you're the only one. You and Marcus are the ones exposing yourselves to euros. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I don't know what else it could mean. So. Marcus, what's up, man? Uh, what's up, guys? You got a you got a new Abby up in here. What's what's going on with that? Yeah, I I, I forgot to change it back, so apologies. So we just have an M for Marcus uh, today. Uh, but yeah, oh. trades trades going all right, man. <laughs> Same um, as always. All right, all right. That's what I'm talking about. My trade's going good too. You guys didn't ask me, but it's going good. It's the same trade. So, welcome everybody. This is Bitcoiners Guide, the show we wish we would have had when we first started learning about Bitcoin. So we made it for you. We're here joined today with a special guest, as you can tell, Mr. Greg Zaj One on Twitter. Uh, makes the dopest memes, makes the worst memes, and uh, he's also a genius. Higher IQ than Richard Hart. So <laughs> It's not hard to do. <laughs> it's not hard. We probably all have higher IQs than that guy. He's just a brat. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So we are your hosts, Greg Zadge, Big Sean Harris, and Plan Marcus. And uh, to timestamp, and price stamp today's show before we get into it. Today is Monday, May 23rd, 4.45 p.m. here in the Mountain Standard Time. And Bitcoin's current price is $29,156 and some change, down about 3.75% in the last 24 hours. I was wondering where that nasal went. You should you should run with that nasal noise the whole way through. Should I? Should I run yeah, with I mean, you, you you clipped it. You had it at the beginning. You had it at the end, and then there, there was the middle part. The whole Couldn't way. Do. Yeah, like prank them. Twenty four thousand dollars, <laughs> like whatever. <laughs> I I did that because it reminds me of like uh, you know like news people when they're when they're like, and I'm Steve Johnson from KNBK. This is, you know, like that's uh, that's kind of where I got it from. They had to go to school for that shit. You just did it. I just do it right off the cuff. Normal. Normal. Watch freak. News. Yeah. It's freaking me. nature. Yeah. That's what I call me the basketball court. What about the background? What about this background? Do you do you like it? Is it? I'm a big fan. I know my kids are big fans of the new background. They informed me that Sean was having a dance party at his uh, at his place. <laughs> It's always a dance party. I said, you know, it's all, yeah, yeah, it's a great time over there. What, you, what about you, Marcus? Yeah, I see you You did a little brand change. I had to change up my brand a little bit. Hey, did Marcus do a brand change? No, this is not a brand change. Oh, it's not? No, as you as you guys have seen, I'm not that sophisticated with the, with the branding stuff. But uh, it was just a temporary <laughs> picture for another meeting I had. <laughs> okay. So are, you, are you having much success with your brand change? Yes. Are you? 
I, I don't think the brand has changed actually. It's been the same, uh, pretty consistent. Yeah. I like consistency. Oh, well, you mean it looks like you grew up. You were a child before. Now you're just a capital letter. Okay. Yeah. Small to big. My- it's just this one show. It'll be gone. Maybe, maybe Sean can, maybe Sean can replace my, uh, my original Avi over the, <laughs> over the stream. No, it's too much editing. Too much editing for me to do. My background will be like this like every two weeks. So two weeks on, two weeks off. And I'm not telling why. So you guys can just figure it out. You can guess. Um, how would you? Okay, so something new before we get into the Bitcoiners Guide Tip of the Week. How was your guys' weekends, man? What have you, you guys been up to? What do Bitcoiners do over the weekend? Marcus? It's, it's not been a typical weekend. I've been doing a lot of stuff in the in the house, packing mm. boxes. Uh, yeah, going to the gym. Is that because nice. Bitcoin? Is that because Bitcoin's price has fallen? You had to sell your house, or what? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. Cool, cool weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you totally got me caught off guard on that question. I told you before <laughs> the right, show. Sure. Uh, yeah. he, I told he, he told you. I told you before the show. I was going to ask you about your weekend, so I didn't catch you off guard. That's not true. All right, all right. So here's the story, right? Where where I'm gonna I'm gonna be leaving the Netherlands. I think I tweeted it out as well. I don't like to talk about it too much on the air, on air and that kind of stuff. But I'm moving, so yeah. that's super exciting, right? So a couple of months more, and I'm gonna be leaving this country, which I lived in for many many years, and. Uh, that has to do with the Bitcoin price. Not that it's dropping right now, but it has to do with the Bitcoin price because Bitcoin provides freedom and um, in many levels. So yeah, I'm feeling good. I had a good weekend, but you know, it's been busy. It's kind of like transitioning to like this goal that we're working towards. So it's not a typical weekend. I don't know. I, it's been fun. A lot of work to do, but a good mindset, you know? Yeah. Why, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving Amsterdam or the Netherlands? Well, he said he was oh, transitioning, was... so I want to make sure we're using the right pronouns. <laughs> Shut up, we can have pronouns. <laughs> what are your pronouns, Marcus? Bitcoin? I have no pronouns. I have no pronouns. Nope. I don't even know pronouns. <laughs> not, not, not. We, they, we can't even talk to you. Plan. Plan is <laughs> Call me whatever you want. <laughs> as long as we call you. Oh. So, Greg, what's your weekend been like? Oh, my weekend is, has what, been... What does the weekend of a genius memer look like? <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> because I'd have to kill you. Um, no, the uh, I had a good weekend. Uh, my wife left with the kids on what? Sunday. What? Go, go, go visit some family. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. You scared me again. I'm glad you. Yeah, can when you say yeah, when yeah. you say your wife is that I'm assuming I don't want to assume any gender here, but is there a is there a question coming? What are your wife's, are your wife's pronouns? <laughs> oh, Correct. Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Thank. You. Uh, <laughs> she she usually uses "fuck you, Greg." Is <laughs> okay. preferred her preferred set of pronouns. That's understandable. That was good. They uh, they bounced. They're uh, they're out for the week, going to visit some family, and the house is exceedingly quiet and it's weird. Okay, all right. Weird. Used to have a bunch of kids running around. Good time to jump on Bitcoiners Guide, dude. What do you mean? Exactly. That's how I figured I'd make the best of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Great. Great. We well, get coming to premiere. Sean, pod. you 
you guys keep never <laughs> asking me questions. You don't ask me how my trade's going. You don't ask me how my weekend's going. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't care. I finished talking like two seconds ago, and then then you started complaining again. Is this the whole show format? Is you just ask questions and then complain that nobody asks you the same questions? Yeah, this market the, doesn't ask. This me is the show. Time. This is the show you wish you had. Yeah, this is the show. <laughs> that I wish I would have had when I first started learning about Bitcoin. All right. I'll roll with it. Look, it's it's real simple, right? We're just we're just gonna be talking about Bitcoin every week. The news, trying to you know get whatever seed planted in like uh, noobs, people who are interested in Bitcoin, maybe even people interested in crypto, you know, whatever. Yeah, we're just right, gonna so. be talking, putting the proof of work, and whatever well, the format is, I'm sure it's gonna change. You know, it's gonna be shaped by whatever happens. Just yeah. How'd your weekend go? Sean? That's how I see it. <laughs> Sean, yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, dude. My sister got married. I went I went to California. That's where I'm from. I'm in Utah now again. Came back, drove back yesterday. But I'm from Sacramento. So uh my sister got married. Great wedding. She I have two adopted sisters, three older brothers, two younger sisters. So it was it was cool. It was fun watching her grow a lot, but uh, I didn't give her any Bitcoin. Greg asked me earlier, a while earlier, if I was going to give her Bitcoin, but I didn't because she's just not ready for it yet. It, it, she would have just turned that into fiat so quick. So I just gave her, I just gave her like a hundred dollars. Are you <laughs> fiat? Just straight fiat? Yeah. She's worthy of the fiat. She's not worthy of the Bitcoin yet. Okay. You know, so you love her a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got you. Right. What's the uh, what's the husband like? He's a cool, dude. Worthy, I, of, you, worthy of your sister? I would say he's probably better than my sister. <laughs> oh, let's hope she doesn't watch this. Nah, she won't be watching this. I'm gonna DM it to her. I don't know <laughs> what her Twitter handle is, but I'll find out. We'll get it over to her. Are like dowries uh, a common thing in the United States? Yeah. I don't even know Big what a dowry is. It's a dowry. it's a it's a wooden stick that uh that you used to mix paint. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, one or two people watching will get that joke. It's a linguistic joke. Dowry. It's a it's a Indian tradition. Well, maybe not just an Indian tradition, but like uh, when you're giving your daughter to the husband's family in order to sweeten the pot especially if she's not a great daughter. Oh, yeah. You provide funds or lands or yes. animals. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a, a ten-cow woman. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Different meaning today, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, okay, so my sister got married. Marcus has been packing and going to the gym. Greg's wife left him with the kids. But she went to go see some family, and she'll be back. <laughs> right. Right, right. We hope. <laughs> we hope. Because she's awesome. She's awesome. Okay. Well, uh, you guys had some great weekends. Let's get into the Bitcoiners Guide Tip of the Week, sponsored by mfmerch.com. The best merch in Bitcoin. <laughs> so uh, I've been thinking lately, like I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking about Bitcoin. I'm thinking about a lot of things. Yeah, and uh, I want to pull this up. I want to talk about stagflation. So, stagflation has been on my mind lately. 
And I wanted to talk about, well, what is stagflation and uh, what, what's the difference between stagflation, inflation? Could, the, could we be seeing uh, an incoming stagflation in the United States or in the world economy? And, uh, and what is it, right? So let's, let's get into it. Uh, Investopedia, so it's just an easy thing to see. It's great to look in there. So stagflation, uh, what is it? It's characterized by slow economic growth, so a, like a contracting economy, and relatively high unemployment or economic stagnation, which is at the same time accompanied by rising prices, or in other words, inflation. Stagflation can be alternatively defined as a period of inflation combined with a decline in the gross domestic product or GDP. So that's definitely something that we've seen in Q1 of 2022. Uh, in the first quarter, we saw a contracting economy in the United States. We saw the GDP shrink at the same time that inflation was running hot. Uh, so what are some key takeaways? Just to talk about a little bit more to get a little deeper into this, right? Stagflation refers to an economy that is experiencing a simultaneous increase in inflation and stagnation or slowing of economic output. Stagflation was first recognized during the 1970s. If you remember, that's when gold, uh, gold we were taken off the gold standard in the 1970s. Stagflation was first recognized during the 1970s when many developed economies experienced rapid inflation and high unemployment as a result of an oil shock which interestingly enough, what happened in the 1970s, we went off the gold standard and went on to the petrodollar. So that makes sense by whether there's an oil shock. Uh, or in other words, the price of oil went up a lot and the dollar was losing, was getting devalued. So the prevailing economic theory at the time could not easily explain how stagflation could occur. Since the 1970s, rising price levels during periods of slow or negative economic growth have become somewhat of the norm rather than an exceptional situation. So it's kind of in this 50 year experiment that we're on, you know, that Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert talk about uh, the new, the new petrodollar that we're on has, has made it. So, so we're in this period where we have rising prices, but the economy is slowing down at the, at the exact same time. Um, just one other thing, that, uh, well, actually, let's just go, let's just talk about that for a second. So I think this is, this is really interesting to me, and I've been thinking about stagflation a lot, uh, basically because we've, we've been going through this period where we're seeing prices rise, and, and like historically, what we've seen is if prices rise, the economy should be, should be going up at the same time. And I think you, we're seeing a lot of these things that are breaking, that are kind of like fraying or breaking apart during a period of stagflation uh, because we're, it's like two competing forces are going at each other and, and you shouldn't really have prices rising as the economy shrinking because it just makes it, I mean, imagine if the economy was staying the same and prices were rising, that would be tough. Or if the economy was, you know, so as economy shrinks, prices rise, it's just a big strain on, on your average consumers, your average people, uh, because there's a lack of money and prices are going up. Uh, have you guys been seeing any, any of this going on around you or, or what are your thoughts as, 
as we enter in, you know, another period, you know, what are your thoughts on stagflation? I guess I should say. Greg, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, stagflation isn't my base case for what happens, at least in the U.S. Um, I try not to guess about what's happening in the world because it's it's a lot. It's too much information for me to follow. But uh, yes. I can follow the Fed and I can follow U.S. economy. Um, base case, we're definitely in a economic contraction period. Um, there was too much cheap money and now that's all being repriced. Um, all the money that got pumped into the economic system during the COVID crisis is uh, now finding its home a little further down the line from the assets. It's uh, nesting itself in energy and food. Um, you see it in your gas prices, you see it in your grocery store bill. But um, the other side of the COVID problem that uh, not a lot of people talk about is that clearly we had uh, deficiencies with the manufacturing output of the United States. So, you know, you had shortages in like uh, PPG or pr protective gear for the doctors, masks, all that stuff, like stuff that you should be able to manufacture basically anywhere. It's like paper. Um, so you've seen a lot of what's called onshoring. So a lot of the industrial plant equipment that we utilized in Southeast Asia, uh, we're not actually bringing the, the, the plant equipment back. We're just building new ones here and retooling existing infrastructure to make, uh, to make home a little easier. So in that, in that vein, we've seen much closer economic ties to um canada and mexico uh canada is a great um energy supplier and mexico has the uh the demographics and cheap labor to supply you know better than can than china can um finished goods we'll call it and not not like high value added finished goods so, i mean it, it, they're way better than china's so, like in china it's really hard to find um plant equipment that can make you semiconductors that are of high grade or uh, build auto plants. So like Tesla has a lot of problems getting the cars manufactured there. So like a lot of this plant equipment coming back to the United States over the next five to 10 years, that's a lot of investment and a lot of capital being spent here to bring all that back. So that's jobs. That's, that's capital expenditure. Um, I don't, uh, I'm of the opinion that Jeff Ross, Dr. Jeff Ross is probably right about when we see the next impulse of QE, I think probably Q4 of this year uh, is when we see more input. And until that time, you're going to see uh, until they what's decide gonna, to. What's, what's going to cause that though? What, what makes you certain that we'll see that in Q4? Because right? the uh, Fed and the central banks are definitely not saying that. Just because of how slowly mechanically uh, the Fed works. So they let the markets do a lot of their work for them. So they, they come out saying they're going to raise rates seven times and also start doing QT. So you see the markets react to what they say they're going to do, mm -hmm. doing a lot of the work for these people. So like they don't actually have to come out and offer, and they don't have to do uh, yield curve control. They don't have to do QE. They don't have to do quantitative tightening in order for the market to react like they're going to. 
So most of the work's done for them ahead of time. So when they actually go to do the thing they said they're going to do, the impact isn't that bad. And you can just look at the scheduled meetings and the scheduled uh, rate hikes they've coming out. And it's like, all right, Ross says Q4 2022, because that's when uh, the projected rate we're supposed to hike to is probably going to top out around like, I think he said uh, 75 basis points, which is 0.75 percentage points for anybody who doesn't know what a basis point is. Um, okay, so, so, but then if they will never have done like uh, seven rate hikes, because if they do more than seven, then we should be way higher than 75 basis points, right? Right. I don't think they'll get there. But they say they're going to do seven. They don't tell you how many it's going to be on each one. And they tell you what the goal is going to be. And they never get to what exactly they say they're going to go, the goal is going to be before something breaks. And I think, I think you can't predict what breaks or when. Uh, so I have to rely on people who know, um, know how the Fed works better than I understand how the Fed and the economy works. So when Jeff Ross and Preston Pish are out there saying, yeah, Q4 2022 sounds about right for when this thing is going to break without doing four years of homework, I have to kind of just like lean into that. Um, they also, they've also said that there's going to be about 10, $10 trillion of burr going on, money printer going on. Well, that's, that's the Q4 2022 QE yes. that they're talking about. They said uh, it'll make the last rounds of QE look small, which is a Jeff Booth thing. You know, you don't, you can't, you don't, humans don't think well in exponentials. Oh, yeah. And I think the last round of QE is what, four or five trillion? Uh, it might have been more. Have we Sorry. done, have we done seven trillion of QE since COVID? I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere between four to seven trillion, I think. Well, GFC 2008 financial crisis that was like 750 billion, right? And then by the end of it, it was like 1.3, and now the Fed balance sheet's a little over four trillion, I think, right now. So we're talking three x, four x on the next jump. If that if that pattern holds, so you're not looking at stagflation. You're looking at we're going to go through some rate hikes, and then the market's going to probably top out. I think. I think- I think if there is stagflation, it happens over the next couple of months until Q4. So what are we, we're looking at like three, four months of stagflation, maybe before they have to start pumping liquidity back into the market. Yeah, my whole thing. And, and we talked when we did the, the live show with Nick Batia was, you know, could they can you raise rates into an inflation or into an into a recession? I think that's like a, a really interesting thing that we're going to see play out because the Fed is basically pinned up against the wall where they're going to have to, they're raising, it, it almost seems, and I, and I don't know. they got dual this, mandates. What? they got dual competing mandates. Employment. Exactly. Full, you have to have and price inflation. stability and full employment. Yep. So as you print money, that takes away price stability. But as you lower interest rates, which also does that, it, like, it helps out with full employment. Mm-hmm. But- I, I, it seems like they're almost like they know that another thing is going to come where they have, where they're going to have to lower interest rates. So they're trying to get interest rates up. So when another hiccup happens, they can lower interest rates to actually have a reaction and they know it's coming quickly. So it's really interesting that they, they, cause right now, well, I guess they've done two rate hikes, but essentially they still have very little, you know, room to run. 
if you want to be reactionary in, in an instance like that, other than just printing more money. So I think maybe that's also another reason why, you know, the Jeff Rosses and, and Preston Fishes are saying that, that they're going to, that there's going to be a huge QE, QE coming. Well, that's not even taken into account. Uh, all right. So one of the weird and interesting things that uh, I've learned recently is that you all clearly are aware that there was a, an inv- a Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, and that the West, specifically NATO countries, are sending them a shit ton of weapons. We, the United States, have gone through already one third of our entire stockpile of javelins and sent them over to Ukraine. And then javelins, javelins, it's an anti tank missile. Okay. Uh, like, you, carry, you, you carry it. And, <laughs> uh, and then they're going to out there. <laughs> well, we've also run through yeah. half of our supply of stingers. Right. So like as an industrial society, we have a short memory of how much ammunition and material goes towards fighting a, uh, a full scale European style war. So in the last, let's call it month and a half, we've gone through a third of our javelins and half our stingers, which is the, the material these people use to, uh, conduct their defensive war. Um, you have to, and the last time America made a uh, an order, our government made an order for uh, for stingers was like two years ago. Like you don't even have the electronics <laughs> available. You have to you have to retool. You have to redesign the the weapon and then retool the plant equipment to make use of new semiconductors to actually like make this thing. So yeah. in order to like conduct the war that they're doing over there, we have to retool all that shit too, and then send it over. So I mean. It's not all, all that said, just to say it's not just uh, yield curve control or a failing stock market that we're going to have to print our way through. We're going to have to print our way through retooling all this rearmament. Uh, and as anybody who understands finance knows, war ain't cheap. We're going to so, re- we're gonna have to print through a, a struggling and fraying supply chain. So war supply chain, food supply chain, semiconductors. So, Greg, are you are you saying that the the war is bad for the U.S. economy? Uh, the U.S. economy is fucked one way or another. It's a fiat based piece of shit. I'm just saying that the the war in Ukraine is going to lead to more printer go burr. Whether that's good for the economy or not, I, I mean, the U.S. economy is it, a lot of our industrial plant equipment goes towards making more materials anyway. I mean, you're ridiculous if you don't think that it, it, that isn't a giant part of our uh, economy. What are, what are you guys' thoughts? What do you? Oh, go ahead, Marcus. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I want to. No, hear you go ahead. Talk. Okay, you go ahead. <laughs> I will go ahead. <laughs> Look at what's, us. Look what's at your, us. What's your thoughts on money go burr, money printer go burr, as a Bitcoiner? Well, he doesn't get the stagflation question. Dude, the stagflation question is way too complicated for me, to be honest. I know we have inflation, obviously, and that ties into your question, Sean. You know, money go burn. To me, inflation is caused by inflation of the money supply, you know, and then we try to measure it by looking at the prices of different goods and stuff. But, you know, it starts with inflating the, the money supply, and that's, to me, the real inflation. And I don't even know what the official number is, you know, but Christine Lagarde just had the ECB chart shown to her and uh, it was funny to see. I mean, 
Like, yeah, the, well, the what, was, what was the number? Like eight trillion? Like the balance sheet like, yeah. grew beyond eight trillion euros? <laughs> yeah, it was large. It's uh, yeah. So 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 President, to me, that President part is Biden. inflation. Then employment. I never really know so much. Okay, so employment is high. Employment is low. To me, that's a, a an important sign of a healthy economy, right? You don't want like very high unemployment rates because. That's obvious, right? So sure, we look at em employment. Um, and what was the third part? Uh, uh, rising, a, a contracting economy. Right. Yeah, and how do you measure that? Is that me you said that's measured in GDP? Yeah. And how is GDP measured again? Uh, it's just it's the gross domestic pro gross domestic product of of any country, from based off of their their so like it's the amount of goods and year. services being being sold um, on a domestic level, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and <laughs> whenever I think about those things, then I'm like, okay, so what what does that inform me of? You know, when we're in a recession, that means two quarters of 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 negative growth. Okay. So then you're in a recession, but what does it mean? It means so much different things to, to different people. What does it mean to Bitcoin? What does it mean to, yeah, you know, what, where are we going with that question? I guess the, the biggest thing to me when I think about stagflation is, is we'll go back to Jeff Booth, right? Where he talks about you have, when we're, when we're in a society that is based off of technology and technology means efficiencies, which efficiency efficiencies means deflation. And we have an inflationary currency. Those are competing forces, right? We have to print more money, more and more money to cover up the, the deflation in the technology that we're creating. And I look at stagflation, I look at it the same way. We have an economy that's shrinking and we have prices that are going up at the same time. So we have less access to money and at the same time, prices are going up. So it's just like a double kill on- Okay, but on you, said, you, said the, you said the economy is shrinking, but is it really shrinking? I'm not so sure that the economy is really shrinking. I mean, maybe maybe like on a short-term basis, you know, maybe yeah. you have like a quarter or a couple of quarters downturn. But if you look at like, the, if you zoom out, you know, you look at the chart, the economy has been, has been growing, right? Or, I don't think the economy has ever stopped growing. So is the is the US economy really in a in a bad position? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you look at what what a recession is, that is, I mean, we're halfway into a recession basically right now with with the GDP shrinking. That is the economy shrinking. Yeah, it can look it can look just like from the optics, oh, the businesses are moving, all these things are going well. But if the economy is shrinking, if GDP is shrinking, then that should be raising some type of flags that other that there's something going wrong, right? Because if things are going well, then the economy would be growing. Things would be moving forward, especially in a moment of high inflation, where that can cover up for some of the GDP. But either yeah. way, so... <laughs> Going back, right? We were just talking about the money printer going burr. Do you think, what do you guys think about that? Like as the money printer burrs, 
as a Bitcoiner. So if there was no Bitcoin and there was no sound money, I would think money printer go burger kind of sucks. But as a Bitcoiner, does that change your mind at all? Or does it matter as much? Or is now is it more just like a meme that we can just have fun with because we know that it's just that much closer to, to the dollar going into high inflation or hyperinflation and puts us that much closer to a Bitcoin standard? I want to echo Jeff Booth in that you brought up a little bit of what he said earlier about how technology creates abundance, right? So technology is a forcing function on human productivity. The longer we develop technology, the more productive people can become, the more abundance that there is in the world, period. Things get cheaper. Printing money is the exact opposite. Printing money is a forcing function on scarcity. So you have more and more money chasing the same amount of goods. Things become scarce. It's bullshit. So when you talk about whether or not money printing is a good thing or a bad thing in the lens of Bitcoin, or one of the things you have to keep in mind is that as they print that money, people's lives around the world get infinitely worse. Yes. Uh, Infinitely measurably worse every time they print money. So it sucks. And the only way out, uh, is buying and holding Bitcoin to store the value of your energy through time and space. Can't be confiscated from you, can't be debased. Holding it doesn't hurt anybody else. Like uh, there's no cost yeah. of holding. There's no cost of holding. There's no there's no moral cost to to utilizing the system like there is to now utilizing the US dollar system. You think about the countries that are sanctioned, all right. You know, Russia. The entire country supposedly can't do business in USD. Like, what does that do to the Russian population? Sure, it hurts the oligarchs and Putin, people who are at the top trying to pay for their war. But the people around the country that utilize Western banking systems in general, you know, they're fucked. You know, their quality of life didn't go up. No. So... Printing money is a double-edged sword. Number one, it brings us closer to a hyper-Bitcoinized world. But number two, there are costs associated with that. And I don't think it's smart to ignore them. I kind of think, I kind of think about it like uh, Marcus always talks about this, right? In the big short, when the dude says, just don't dance. Like, we know that what's happening is inevitable, right? The, all fiats have failed, all fiats have died, they've all gone through hyperinflation. The US dollar, the Euro is no different. And so I look at it like it's inevitable, it's going to happen. I shouldn't necessarily root for it. I shouldn't dance when it does happen, but when it does happen, it it helps us get the word out more about Bitcoin. When people feel the pain of inflation, is when they make the change to, to actually study money. And when people don't feel the pain, when they think everything's okay, then they don't study the money. And so I think that's like the only reason why I like money printer go burr. Obviously, as the money printer burrs, more people, they figure out what Bitcoin is, they invest more in Bitcoin, they save more Bitcoin, num- number go up in Bitcoin. So that's, that's great. But I think the biggest reason is that as more people, as inflation actually hurts people, then they're drawn to, to figure out 
well, where am I really supposed to save my money? And then, and where am I supposed to save my wealth? And what is money? What is money? They ask, they start asking, what is money, right? Why do I look at the dollar, the euro or whatever as money? And why can't Bitcoin be money? Or, you know, why, why do I have this crazy friend uh, in Utah or wherever in Holland or in Florida telling me about Bitcoin all the time? And so uh, I think that's, that's just something like when we hit 8.5% inflation, gas prices are through the roof. It's easier for me to go, you know, tell my friend as they complain, you know, well, you should take a look into Bitcoin. You should get some just in case it catches on, like just the, all those little things, it becomes a lot easier for me. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> That's an awkward pause. You're not. Yeah, you, you... <laughs> Dude, I have so many thoughts going on right now. I can't even. Uh, I can't even pick one. We'll pick one. We want to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, give us options. Let's let's pick four, Marcus. Mm. What are you? Th- what are the topics of your thoughts, Marcus? Option a, option B, option C, and option D. And I'm having five. a total blackout. Sorry. Well, two seconds ago, you said you had so many thoughts. Bring them Did back. Do you lie to us? A little bit. Bring them back, Marcus. Bring them well, back. You, you lied to us. Forgive me. <laughs> this is like the weirdest. This is the weirdest. All right. So here's, here's another thing. So we were talking about GDP earlier, which is another bullshit fucking metric. What does GDP measure anyway? Fucking P- PMI. PMI, ISM. Well, anyway, <laughs> so I looked at the stat. The financial services industry contributes 8%. Contributes? Contributes. The, the, the financial services industry in the United States makes eight, makes up 8% of the uh, the GDP. Okay. But think about, like, what are they making, right? What's, what's the service? Yeah. What, exactly. It, it, so eight percent of our GDP is just somebody, fees. somebody. It's fees. it's fees. It's fees, and somebody typing in yeah. a number into a spreadsheet. Like, yeah, eight percent. So eight percent of the U.S. GDP is bullshit. Right off the top of the, <laughs> right off the top. That's crazy. What's so that? what I got lost in, in in this talk just now is that the United States prints a ton of money, right? Europe also does that. We're number but one. all these, all these, all these other countries outside of the U.S. and the eurozone, like especially like developing countries, you know, I, I don't really understand what they've been doing and were they able to print as well? Because what you see now, not now that they're reversing, you know, they switched the lever somewhere in early this year, maybe late last year they started like communicating that they would, you know, like. December and January, they really started like decreasing the amount of burr and now they're threatening with rate hikes and stuff, you know, so like they're switching the lever back around. And for some reason that causes like a lot of currency problems in the rest of the world, right? And like the, you see the demand for the dollar like goes through the roof right now. We're almost at like Euro dollar parity. And I can't really figure out exactly what all the mechanisms are there. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, so that's, that's what I was kind of lost on, you know, like, how is it that the U.S. prints a shit ton of money at the same time, like energy prices go up, they, they shoot through the roof, 
you know, people will say it's because of the war and it's because of supply chain, but what actually caused those energy prices to go up? Why is energy? Is it because during lockdown we were using less, um, less fuel and stuff? And now all of a sudden that we like reopen the economies, you know, and people were allowed to fly and travel a lot more again, then all of a sudden that peaked and that caused a supply chain issue. And, and how fast will it come, will it come back down? You know, like, yeah, there's so many variables at play, crazy. Any thoughts on why the energy prices go up? Do you have like a... The easiest one? It's real simple. You just had 10 million barrels a day go offline in Russia. Scarcity is part of it. Right. Yeah. Obviously. And yeah, nothing's nothing's safe right now. None of your uh, none of your trade routes are as safe as they were six months ago. So, you know, you can't and I've said this to you guys before, you've got the the number one and the number five wheat producers in the world at war. And the port that they send most of most of the oil and the food out through is under blockade. So like most of the food and energy that the world or a large chunk of the food and energy of the, that the world uses and, and consumes isn't getting out or isn't being made, period. Um, yeah. You know, on, on, top of, on top of that, it's a simple answer of more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services. Yeah. And it's, it's really weird, right? So like these higher energy prices, they cost other countries a lot more, right? Because any country that doesn't use dollars has to like switch their currency into dollars and they have to actually pay for that energy and the oil. While the US gets the, gets the you know, they have to pay dollars for it, right? <laughs> and the dollars just come out of the burr. So that's... Uh, we basically get to print yeah, that's, energy. That's a, that's a very good... <laughs> That's a very but, good deal. But the and, European um, Union also, these countries also have a central bank where they can print money and swap that for dollars as well. They can print their local currencies and swap it for dollars. But they can't buy oil. They can't buy oil, but they can buy dollars with their printed currency and then Increase buy the demand. Right. Which increases the demand for dollars. And if there are less dollars going around, now you have more euros chasing yeah. less dollars so and more dollars. What happens then is then, then the dollar, the dollar appreciates against your local currency. You know? so if shake. you do that, yeah. yeah. It's basically it's a carnival game. It's like, I've got you like pinned down on the map. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but then, yeah. but then you have like Bitcoin up above from hanging in the rafters, like watching the dollar take out all these other currencies. And when it's done doing that, then Bitcoin comes in and just smacks the dollar down. Right, but it's not just up in the rafters doing nothing. It's up in the rafters, like it's a little guy right now, but it's up in the rafters injecting steroids. Yeah, it's doing it's doing bench press, it's squatting, yeah. it's getting ready for its, for its main show. The HGH. Yeah. <laughs> It's All waiting. Time. It's waiting for the. It's waiting for the rest of the countries to start uh, buying it up. I mean, we've got. Oh, we have El Salvador who holds it. Obviously, who's really just openly putting it in their reserves. And did the Central African Republic actually like say that they have reserves or that they're adding to their reserves? I mean, they made it legal tender, but did they put it like on their balance sheet officially? Do your own research, Marcus. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, you guys follow. You guys follow all the news, right? It's all in French. It's hard to read. This is the news show. I'm a guest. I'm a guest. This is not how you treat a guest, Marcus. <laughs> we didn't talk about that pre-show, Marcus. We got to fact check that. No fact checking. Right. right. Who fact checks the fact checkers? It's the real question. The ministry. Anyway, so now we've got these. Fact we've got the- these 42 countries, you know, that are that are interested in like. Oh, this could be good because you know it's a different currency. It's going to be global, so it'll probably come from those countries first. We've you know we've speculated a lot about how will it play out, but we've actually we're now seeing again like how it's actually going to play out. Because you see, where does the interest come from first? It's all these these these, these smaller economies that are basically <laughs> really with really weak currencies. Well, they've got nothing to lose. Right. Right. So what's the worst, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? They have to take out another IMF loan at ridiculous rates. And <laughs> again, those who are hurt by inflation, those who are hurt by the existing monetary system, are we gonna be the first yeah. one to make a move to Bitcoin? Whether it's, so it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a better system. It's gonna it's gonna be a better system. It's gonna be a better system for them. Just like I and, said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg said it first. Go ahead, Marcus. Greg, shut up. No, Greg is right. I should have. I should have shut up. I got. I got excited. Can we better monetary system? Okay. So stagflation, inflation. You know, Q two, Q three, Q four. We're using a bunch of words. Whatever. Uh, is there going to be more burr? Yes, of course. There's always going to be more burr. Uh, are prices, are rates going to go up? Probably. And then they'll, they'll go back down so they can say that they did something when we go through another hiccup in the markets. Uh, so, you know, who knows? That's the Bitcoiners Guide Tip of the Week. Let's get into the news of the week. Okay, starting off, what we've been seeing lately is just... The further, in the words of Mark, Plan Marcus, the further dissemination of the altcoin space. Every single day, there's been some new altcoin that blows up, rug pulls, goes to zero, it rug, it rug, pal, rug pals, and uh, you're seeing new Bitcoin maxis are getting minted every day, whether that's from the Luna thing, UST, or it's from some other thing that's going on. Uh, there's the scammers that cry and say, be nice. Be nice to us as we scam. And we're not going to be nice to people who scam. So uh, here's Rao Pal. This guy literally tweeted. Uh, I, I remember he was all, he was Bitcoin everything, right? I'm irresponsibly long Bitcoin about a year and a half ago. Then he flipped to, well, Ethereum's chart is exactly the same as Bitcoin's chart. So I'm going to just go irresponsibly long Ethereum. Then he goes, let me show me your top 10 list of altcoins. And I'm just going to invest in those. And then he goes, why would you ever invest in Bitcoin? You should just invest in altcoins because altcoins run harder in the bull markets. And in bear markets, you want to be in stable coins. So the dude is just fiat maxi and he doesn't understand Bitcoin. 
we thought he once understood Bitcoin mm-hmm. and we've now realized that he doesn't. Uh, he's almost got a million followers. So he's, he's there to scam a lot of people on Real Vision. Be aware of his cameras. This was his tweet, right? It is so sad to see Twitter dissolve into angry people. Value your commodity investors, BT, BTC maxis, and other non-pragmatists, all screaming at anyone with different views. This is just investments, not a philosophical justice war. We all have different views, and it's okay. Be nice. So Snake oil salesman. <laughs> snake oil salesman. It, it's the guy who's telling you, who's, who's ripping you off, and then you get mad at him for him ripping you off. Then he goes, dude, you got to be nice, man. We got what's society without being nice. Nobody knew this was yeah. going to zero. Just be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. As Bitcoin maxis were calling that these things are going to zero. Yep. So here's my Corey question. Cli- Corey Clipston in particular. Corey Clipston has been on Terry's McKellen. <laughs> Shout out. On a fucking tear. Shout out to Corey Clipston and Swan Bitcoin. You guys are killing it. Here he comes. Awesome. So here's my question. Is our Bitcoin maxis and Bitcoiners, is it a cult and religion or is fiat and scamming the real cult and the real religion? Okay. What do you guys think? I don't like your question. Okay, Marcus, answer it because Greg's, Greg's not thinking. He's over there tweeting. I don't like your question either. Tweeting. Is, <laughs> just, is Bitcoin a cult and a is it a cult or is and a, or and is, a religion? Yeah, or is or is fiat the real the way that people defend fiat and and these altcoin the altcoins? Which one's the real cult? Yeah, I don't like to think in, uh, in, in, in cults because Bitcoin isn't a cult, right? Bitcoin is a protocol and whatever's going on in this little space called Twitter, Bitcoin, Twitter, crypto, Twitter, whatever, you know, it doesn't define Bitcoin or where it's going because Bitcoin is an open protocol. It's from everybody. So nobody defines, you know, is it a cult? Is it... No. You know, the, the, the problem, the thoughts I have with Raul Paul, you know, like you said, he doesn't understand Bitcoin. But the guy is like a really smart guy, right? I mean, like I used to listen to him a lot. <laughs> Me too. Um, and, you know, you, you actually saw him like at the same time, I think it was like 2018, 2019, you know, like he was also exploring, you know, what is this Bitcoin thing? So, you know, like you could see him go down a rabbit hole as well. And I was going down your uh, the rabbit hole as well and he completely got where it was going and at a certain point he also you know he had some good debates around ethereum and he also like you see he just understood what's going and what's what's happening is that there's this whole you know in the wake of bitcoin there's all these altcoins and shitcoins being uh, created everybody with a white paper you know that can do some good marketing can like create these coins that just blow up in a short period of time, especially during Bitcoin bull runs, and you can make a shitload of money. So it's been it's becoming a game of okay, who has the best marketing teams, and they're setting up all like these Formula One style teams, right? Heavily funded with VCs and big billionaires backing them for exposure on on, on media types like Novogratz, you know, people with connections to like the, the, the bigger media outlets. 
And he's been building this real vision brand, which has been really successful. And, you know, he put in the work in that show, you know, by getting great guests on, having good talks around, you know, macroeconomic stuff. You know, he managed to find like a niche and actually get subscribers on the platform. Now he discovers this whole Bitcoin crypto thing. And he's like, wow, you know, like I can totally monetize this, you know, because all these VCs, they want to pay to get on my show. They all want the attention of this audience that I've built up. And he knew, he knows very well that most of these coins, and he calls them investments, right? He knows that they're <laughs> very risky. Yeah, they're, they're investments he's completely aware of that, but they're very, very, just like the exchanges, they're very lucrative for him, right? Yeah. So, and he, he just very obviously made a very well thought out decision of how he's going to play the next couple of years or actually these past few years. And you saw that when he announced Real Vision Crypto. <laughs> I subtitled it for people who, don't, who can't read through the lines. But uh, yeah, that, and that's like the unethical part of it, right? Because you're saying, no, it's just investments and come on, there's more than Bitcoin. You know, people can look at these things and they can do their own research and we're just going to talk to them. But in the meantime, they're getting paid heavily to promote all these projects, which, you know, he probably might even have some investments in them. I don't know. I, I'm speculating. I shouldn't. But, you know, they, they might get in on like the early airdrops or whatever it is, you know, in the first rounds and they'll get like these coins for promoting it. And then when they promote it on their channel, that's all of a sudden when it reaches like millions of people watching it. And with his authority of the Real Vision brand, <laughs> you know, it's been destroyed right now. So that's, you know, um, I don't know in how far he calculated that in. Um, yeah, that's the way I see it. So he deliberately chose to, and the unethical part is that you're, you're, you're airing and defending these, these projects of which you very well know that they're likely to go to zero and they're most likely rug pulls. But when he talks to them about the show, he, he will always tell you, yes, these are risky investments and stuff, but then continues to go on and promote for like half an hour this, this project, right? Or, hey, or he'll the mention these projects really casually, but just by mentioning it, he knows that they'll draw a lot of attention. They'll be, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's, it's unethical, I guess. And, um, yeah, you just got to be watch out. <laughs> so basically yeah. risk free. Remember that video that Neil Jacobs put out a couple of days ago? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Marcus. And, and, uh, and the annoying thing is, right, like all these past few years, you'll get people who listen to a guy like Raul Paul yeah. and then use clips of Raul Paul to like argue with you in your, in your feed about why this project is a good project and why other people should buy this. So he's feeding like this, this wave of people that are now convinced that project X is gonna be like the next Bitcoin or the better Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, and it's, it just takes away so much from the space, you know, and this is where we're talking about like uh, KYC and anti-money laundering and stuff, but what about this, this type of stuff, you know, like, and for some kind of reason, they get away with it and where where the regulators for this kind of behavior? Yeah, so so it's frustrating. What do you think, Greg? Any uh, thoughts? You, you nailed my thoughts on rug pal. 
<laughs> fantastically. I think he's, uh, like I said it earlier, he's a snake oil salesman. This is the guy that uh, famously said principals are worthless and who in like the same week Real. tried to dunk on, on a uh, pub Lord for uh, basically like pubby came out and like talked shit against Ralph. and Ralph had nothing to come back to at him with other than I have more Bitcoin than you. It yeah. was sad, yeah. but yeah. um. I want to address the uh, the religion and the cult thing because I, I was watching uh, John Vallis a little earlier today and he made an interesting point about this that uh, I am by no means a religious person, but uh, the topic is very interesting to me. Um, John was making the point that all religions start out with uh, you know one person or a group of people trying to find some principles to some principles or some truths that you can live your life by that will make your life less shitty. Let's just call it. <laughs> and uh, so you find these protocols throughout life that uh, if you abide by them, that uh, you end up living a good and prosperous life. And these ideals get institutionalized and like we see with all institutions over time, they become corrupt and they kind of lose the message. But um, the one thing that Bitcoin does have in common with, with religions and religious practices is, you know, where, where the religions institutionalize and then corrupt their own truths by going against their own teachings. You know, it, it's some, that's something that Bitcoin is incapable of. Right. So the Bitcoin protocol gives you the same truth every 10 minutes and it can't lie to itself. It just is what it is uh, in that regard. Here's here's a, a financial protocol you can use that will not lie to itself. And if you follow these tenets of not abusing the, uh, the timing of the blocks, the difficulty adjustment, the, to the total cap, like you will have a financially prosperous life. And from that jumping off point, you know, you can see that's a very similar vein to how religions start, uh, how cults start. So I, I get the comparison and the lines that are being drawn. Um, but I mean, Bitcoin and Bitcoiners are not a religious sector, cult and Bitcoin is not a religion, but it's definitely a protocol uh, for truth. And it's definitely a protocol for uh living your life in a financial way that you're going to finish it out ahead of anybody who's not using this protocol. Yeah, I agree. I think the, and the great thing too with Bitcoin is you can hop in and you can hop out whenever you want. And uh, no, you can't, you can't hop out. Don't hop out. <laughs> you, you better not hop out. We'll get you, we'll kick you out of the cult. You're out of here. <laughs> like Udi said, get them out of Bitcoin, right? Can we uh, kick them out of Bitcoin? <laughs> Thou shall huddle for life. Yep. All right. So <laughs> that's the religion. One more scammer. And I don't know why this is turning into hating on the scammer show, but let's do let's lean into hating on scammers. We oh, hey, one more question, right? One more question. How do you guys look at um, you know, like you see also saw like Celsius network uh, uh, having trouble right now. Yeah. So all these, all these, you know, we were looking at like people discussing on Twitter about uh, uh, you can stake here and you can get like free yield, right? And like, oh, I can just park my Bitcoin here and I'm gonna get like so much percent and et cetera. And now in a bear market, you see all these 
protocols offering like yield farming or yam farming or potato farming or whatever they promise, right? I mean, it doesn't work. You can't get something for nothing. So I'm, I'm like, like, how is that going to play out for the heat, for instance? Uh, what do you think, Sean? You for, think staking? Uh... I, well, honestly, I don't really look too much. I don't look into a lot of these protocols that much. But yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. If you already have a protocol that's the best money ever created in the world, you don't need to fix it, right? And I think that's the biggest issue is there's a lot of the, there's two people, there's two classes of people that you come in that will see, that I'll normally see that make altcoins. It's either the scammers, because they know that they can say, you like Bitcoin, buy my altcoin, whatever. Or, right? Or it's the devs. Some dev will come in, some software developer, and they don't understand money, but they understand like backends, how to create a cryptocurrency. And so they don't understand why Bitcoin has its certain trade-offs. And so they go, well, it needs to be faster on the base layer. Let's just make it faster. Okay, boom, here you go. Faster. It's as a fast, this is a Bitcoin, but it's a faster Bitcoin, right? So I think just, and then you got, oh, well, now we need to make it so, you know, we can just get interest. We need to get interest off of Bitcoin. So, okay, so we'll create our own altcoin and we'll stake that thing. And, but they don't understand the trade-offs of why or why not it works. So, you know, it's just, there's just trade-offs to Bitcoin. The scammers and the, and the devs, they don't understand why. They don't understand yet. They haven't done the work. And if you tell them they haven't done the work, they get mad and then they call you toxic. So, you know what? Just do the work, be humble. Don't get over leveraged. Don't buy altcoins. Don't, don't sell your corn. Don't trade your corn. Don't short the corn. Okay, Richard Hart. Look at this guy. Uh, he just tweeted this. When was that? Uh, earlier today or yesterday? So if you ever want to know what a red flag is of a scammer or someone who's about to get burned, this is classic 101 dude's going to get burned pretty soon or he's going to pull some exit scam and uh, here it is richard hart haters i'm a better human being than you (laughs) 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 all right go on go on go on get through it (laughs) neil 145 iq so now he's listening off what he's got I got a, he's got 145 IQ, $9 million in watches, $2 million in cars, world's largest diamond. That's not been verified. Red Bull can PP. He's talking about the size of his Johnson. $27 million raised for charity, 10,000 X asset, called Bitcoin top two times. I make people rich, learn from me world's largest free airdrop coming soon or coming to ethereum uh dude out here first of all he didn't call the bitcoin top twice he was crying on crying on the internet when he lost everything back in 2017 2018 uh so we definitely didn't call that dude's just a scammer you when you when you do good things you don't gotta toot your own horn 
and you do good things, other people toot your, your horn or they won't. And you'll feel good inside because you're doing good things. <laughs> I'll put it this way, man. Like, I'm sure some of you out there watching this know some, let's call them the heavy hitters in the world. People who are worth a lot of money or people who have done a lot of hard or interesting or exciting things like if you're good at what you do you don't talk about it these people shut the fuck up right so like one of the first red flags you'll ever see with a scammer is somebody like bitching about they're not bitching saying like i have the highest iq i have the most expensive watches i have the most expensive cars biggest diamond you know i have a giant penis like yeah, like, what is this giant? What would a penis size do? My, my immediate thought is like, that's all a lie. <laughs> I immediately, the first thing coming to mind is like, oh, okay, everything he's about to say is a lie. Okay, cool. Let's go. <laughs> if you got it, you don't say shit. That's been my experience in life. Uh, all, the, all the heavy hitters I know wouldn't say shit like this. No. Not at all. Marcus. What do you guys what do you guys make of like for instance like the XRP army guys? I mean sometimes I have like XRP army guys in my feed and they're like I will literally hold on like for for the next 10 years they're never selling. But it's like don't they look at like I assume they're all bots. What are they expecting? I mean, all I'm seeing is like, there's like this base of like 20 cents or something. It goes up to like a dollar 20, then comes back down to 20 cents. Now it went back up to like above a dollar and then it comes back down to 20 cents. So is that like, <laughs> I don't, Dude, I don't understand like the, those guys. Like the big you, you'd figure cash. like, Sorry. Ripple's one of the most transparent schemes out there. They pre-mined what, 70 million XRP and they have like, if you if you they have a release schedule, like they 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 tell you ahead of time when they're gonna dump on you. And if you can't read a fucking chart, right? If you can't see that the price is doing this over time, especially when priced in Bitcoin. Bitcoin, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. So like when I see XRP army guys out on Twitter, the only thing I can assume is they're being paid. They're either being paid or they're like super, super <laughs> like low. like what's his name? Uh uh the dude who's got Mac Dre in his, he's a big Bitcoin casher. You know who Mac Dre is? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. On Twitter, he's, he's got Agorst in his thing too, but it's not, it's, it's not, what's his name's brother? It's not Guy Swan's brother. Sally Mayweather. Oh, the, the agorist, Sally agorist. Yes. Yes. What about yeah. it? He's a huge Bitcoin casher. I found that out recently. Really? Yeah, he is. Yeah, but like, dude talks about a lot of stuff that makes sense. And then he's like, yeah, Bitcoin cash because it's got faster transactions. And it's like, what, dude, you never heard of the Lightning Network? You never heard of the trade-offs like that you can't run a node on Bitcoin cash because, yeah. because you have bigger blocks? Like, it's just, it shouldn't be that hard. They either, they either don't know, right? And then when you tell them, they go, oh, shit, and change your mind. Or they know. And they're, paid. <laughs> and they're getting paid yeah exactly yeah i i figure at that at this point anyone who's smart enough and they know that they should know and if they don't know and they're shilling something like that they're getting paid like 
like Orlando, your boy Orlando and St. Martin, Marcus. That dude is a paid shill. Rolando. Yeah. Yeah, Rolando. He's a paid shill too. His name's Orlando now. Yeah, like these dudes are paid shills and we're unpaid shills for Bitcoin. Like there's we don't get paid to shill Bitcoin. That's but what, what, a strike pays what you what you get what you get is is that the insiders, yeah, the people who were first there that go heavy in on it, they make a lot of money and they'll they'll pay all these influencers or promoters or you know, just hand people oh. stuff out to, to, to promote it, whether it's bots or you know what we call bots or people to to do the replies on Twitter, to to politicians, to 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 news media to, to air stuff you know to get on uh, to get airtime if there yeah. okay here's a question if you are getting so say you do get paid to, to show bitcoin right what's the difference between getting paid to show bitcoin and getting paid to show some altcoin scam morals yeah well because- for me for me it's really the like and that's that's the gray area i guess like do you actually believe in this project that you're working on mm-hmm. versus you know you're 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 promoting a ponzi you're, you know you're promoting like <laughs> to dump on people when the price is at its highest point and then to just like dump on all the people that bought because that's a lot of times what i think is going on with like ripple and bitcoin cash they've got this protocol right they've got They've got like the most of like the big wallets and the more pump and dumps they can organize, you know, they're the their main beneficiary of those. They can make a lot of fiat and turn that into Bitcoin or whatever they believe in. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's just if you there's certain salesmen, right, snake oil salesmen who if they get paid, they will sell whatever. And there's certain people that maybe they might start because they're getting paid. And then one day they'll go, you know what? This actually isn't worth it. I'm out of this. And I'm going to something that I actually believe in. So, you know, I think this is all just coming on. And eventually we will remember these people for the snake oil salesman that they were. The world will. Uh, and we know it right now because we're, we're, we're documenting all this stuff. So and, and the best thing is, you know, like the market is also just, you know, like deciding, you know, so... You, you see all these projects, you know, the market is deciding that they're worth less and less. And these pump and dumps will get lower and lower in time, I guess, as people become more <laughs> aware of what's going on. Because, frankly, there's still more people coming into the space with each uh, cycle or with each bull run or with each rally. Making lower but highs, again... baby. <laughs> <laughs> and lower lows. And lower lows. Price yeah. to Bitcoin. Although so, I think I don't think Luda can do a low and low. No, no, can't. <laughs> so, okay, last last uh, article of news before we go. Bitcoin has hit eight red weekly candles in a row now. Never before eight. in eight, eight and thanks. Bitcoin has never done this ever. It's never hit eight in any market, bull, bear, any market uh this is the first Um, time yeah and fun fact if you look at it in the euro price it actually has this little green doji in between so it's only on the usd chart not on the euro chart 
Okay, well, the euro is is monopoly <laughs> money anyway, so but not the dollar. Yeah. No. No. So here's my question. Two questions. First, are you guys scared that it's done this? <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm not scared either. <laughs> I ain't never scared. Okay, that's cleared up. Second question, more poignant question. Are we in a bear market? Are we in a Bitcoin bear market? And and then the third question would be, does it even matter if we're in a bear market or not? Are there more questions coming? Because it seems like you're coming up with these on the fly. I am. <laughs> yes, I think we're in a bear market. I think it's pretty uh, inescapable truth at this point. This is what it is. Uh, waiting for the next bull. What was the other question? What was number? Does three? it matter? Does it matter if we're in a bear market? No, it doesn't fucking, the only thing that matters is you got to scrape up more dry powder to pick the shit up. <laughs> <laughs> like does it like it's does, cheap it's what cheap is it, like, people does yeah. it matter what does it matter for in a bear market or a bull market does it even matter is it all just like does it matter mentally like if you're not if you don't have the conviction is that why it matters why would it matter if we're in a bear market or what, a market? what i'm what i'm thinking right now is <laughs> the bear market feels a lot different now than the last bear market because we're still at like a way higher level than the last bear market, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it feels really good as long as we're like, you know, not making like any lower lows. And uh, what, it, like, where are we going to go down to? You know, like each cycle, we're making like way higher levels, right? And people are crying, but we're up to like freaking $30,000, you know, like two oh, years yeah. ago, I was buying Bitcoin at like $4,000. So yeah, I, it feels really good. I love this bear market. I remember tweeting in the bull rally, like, I can't wait until people say like, Bitcoin is dead because we crashed the $30,000. That was literally a tweet. And now it is here. We're oh, crashing. We crashed from $3,000 to $30,000 and people are crying, right? Yes. If you are, if I, I guess it's different because when you, when you bought in at the top and a lot of people did buy in above 30,000, you know, over the past uh, year and a half or so. So for those people, it's going to be different. Yeah, it sucks, right? And they're going to have doubts and they're going to be like, what's going on? And like following all this stuff. And then it sucks, but then you're still in that phase where you just need to be accumulating anyway, just like everybody else. But especially when you're just getting started, you want to, that's, that's the period that you can accumulate the biggest. That to me, I think it is the most defining part of like how big your stack is going to be, right? Because whatever you can stack now, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to stack that amount of sats. <laughs> once Bitcoin is going to be sitting in like above $200,000. So yeah. You should be fucking happy with these low prices and you should really start thinking about, all right, what can you do to just keep dollar cost averaging and just stack as much as you can? And you should be hoping that it falls back to $20,000 and stay there for months so you can just grow your stack. So, yeah, I think it's going to feel, and people who are going to be like, yeah, but I, I bought in at the top, if only I'd sold and people weren't telling me that I was going to go to 100K. But at that point, it could have gone to 100K and you would have been crying if it did and you didn't buy. And that's the case at any point of the graph, right? You're going to be like, should I, should I like put some cash on the side because I'll buy it later and I could get it cheaper? You don't know what the next candle is going to be ever. So the best thing to do is just DCA, in my opinion, and just focus on where are you going to get like the, the fiat from to, to 
build your stack as high as possible and keep doing that anyway yeah so back to your question <laughs> does it matter i guess it depends on who you're asking right he's asking you <laughs> <laughs> all right well then well then we're good because i just told you it my perspective it don't matter i get it matter. right it hurts i i bought a significant portion of my stack at 50k i did my biggest fiat buy buy by a huge margin was at 50k i get it like it hurts like it hurts when it's at thirty thousand, but i also was buying at like 6700 10,000 you know so i was buying all the way up i'm buying all the way down so it's like whatever yeah i do have a big stack of bitcoin that's quote unquote underwater like a red bull size can red bull size can <laughs> pp <laughs> like it calls it a pp you know see big... greg how do you do that that fast dude like... what <laughs> he's with he's a genius didn't you know greg he's has a genius, one yeah greg has 146 yeah. iq oh yeah one point <laughs> above richard richard eat your heart out <laughs> <laughs> okay well that does it for bitcoiners guide thanks everyone for joining in uh remember the famous Bitstein joins the Meme Factory podcast this Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's live. Don't miss this episode. It's going to be amazing. Again, it's on the Meme Factory YouTube channel. Same channel as this show. Uh, also, remember what you see here, what you hear here. When you leave here, don't just let it stay here. Please share, like, and subscribe. Like and subscribe. That's all you need to do. If you made it this far, just at least hit that like and share yeah. button or something. And, Send and us a tweet. A, share. A com- yeah, put a comment in there. Retweet it. Do everything. I like your show, guys. Thanks for having me on. Say fuck you, Greg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck you, Greg. Yeah. Well, as wait. for Big- wait, as for Bitcoiners <laughs> Guide, episode 14, with a special gra- guest, Mr. Greg Zaj. Play Marcus and Big Sean, we're over and out. Peace. See ya. Genius. Mm.